Hey, welcome to the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating. From angels to energy healing, from mystical places to mystical teachings, this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul. Today, I am talking with the founder of the Indian Palm Leaf Reading Institute, an institute that is dedicated to serving humanity through making the ancient Indian technology called Nadi Jyotidam or Nadi Astrology available to the world. Dr. Q, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Diane. Uh, it's an honor and a pleasure. Thank you for having me um, at the show. Yes. So let's just start off, and I should add for the yogis that are listening, when we say nadis, um, we do not mean the channels that run through the body or the channels where the energy runs through the physical body or the subtle body. We're really talking about nadi astrology and the nadis as we're talking about in this context relates to meaning in search of one's soul or soul reading. Is that accurate? Yeah, you can um, translate Nadi into many different meanings. One is in search of. The other meaning is, the, uh, I brought a, in case you ever show this on YouTube, I brought a bundle with me. Oh, cool. And each one of these palm leaves in a bundle is called a Nadi. So that's Nadi. Nadi is also called pulse, like a person's pulse. So you can translate not in many ways. In the end, it all makes sense because it connects you with palm leaves. You're in search of a palm leaf, the palm leaf itself, the pulse of life, the universe, the big picture that ultimately leads you to having a reading done. And I can close the circle because many people ask me, when was my palm leaf written for me right. and why? And how come some people have one and some people have none? Very simple answer, because I've been um, searching myself. The deeper I dig into the rabbit hole, the more confusing it gets, obviously, because uh, I've been doing so for well over 30 years by now. <clears throat> and I know it's the Botox that maybe hides my- <laughs> You look great. Um, the, being in a spiritual podcast makes it maybe easier for me to, to explain the way we, or I, perceive time, I don't think that is the reality, whatever reality might be, because we all don't know, we could be all in a big matrix. But I think the moment you have the thought, like a conscious thought, wow, there could be a leaf written for me. So that moment, 3000 years ago, at the same time, one of the Maharishis starts dictating to their disciples a message for, in this case, me or you, because you created it already in your mind. Today, now, 3,000 years ago, to then be read to you in two months from now, once you start the search. And then you bring your thought into reality by submitting your thumbprint. That's an act. You do something to manifest the thought. And then the search starts. And then obviously, your bundle, which hopefully contains your individual palm leaf, is found. That's simple. And how come some people don't have that? Well, very simple. You talk about it, 
like this podcast reaches a lot of people. Some listen to it, but don't get it. It goes in one ear and out the other. That's it. So it doesn't manifest. But some people might say, wow, such a cool thing. I wonder if I have one too. And that is when the process starts. Fascinating. Yeah, you jumped right into it because I was going to bring that up. And I get that question all the time. Well, if these soul readings were written for technically every future past and present soul that's ever lived, how and how do they fit that on the planet? <laughs> Where do they store all these leaves? And my answer, my simple answer is, well, if you're destined to have a reading, you'll find it and it will be there. So there's really not in material one for every soul because not every soul is going to know about it or look for one. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, let's begin by just describing to our audience what exactly a nodding re reading is, what it entails, um, because some people may think this is similar to a Vedic astrology reading, which interestingly enough, and not so surprising, there are similarities because it is yes, science, absolutely. For sure. uh, but just how it, how it differs and, and go into the details of the process, if you would. Sure. Now, uh, Vedic astrology is the Indian version of astrology versus Western astrology. So it goes with charts, just like Western astrology. Palm leaf reading, so I'm using several terms for the same thing. You can call it a Nadi astrology, Nadi reading. Uh, we call the Institute Indian Palm Leaf Reading to make it as plain and simple as possible. Why Indian? Because it's in India. Palm leaves, because they're written on dried palm leaves. Mm -hmm. And reading, because you read from a dried palm leaf. These leaves, Saga has it, because we don't have written testimony for the, of that. That about two, 3,000 years ago, sages called Maha Rishis, Maha Great Rishi Sage, so great sages. Were they also called the Sapta Rishis? Excuse me? Were they also called the Sapta Rishis? Not that I know of, but maybe. Okay. There are so many ways of describing them. Okay. As I said, there is no book. You need to know that there is no book. There is no school where people go and learn about it or read up on it. There isn't. There is nothing uh, written. Okay. It's passed on usually from grandfather to father to son to grandson. That's how it usually works. But of course, as an outsider, you may join a reader. A reader is a person can find your palm leaf and then read it to you. As an outsider, you can join a, a reader, become his disciple, uh, apprentice if you wish, and you dedicate quite a few years of your life to that reader. You would join, I don't know, as a 14-year-old kid, 15-year-old kid. And in the beginning, all you'll be doing is uh, you'll be cleaning the office. So in the floor, going shopping, you know. And then gradually, uh, the, the reader departs with some of his knowledge. And then the longer you stay, the more you learn, and then you become a reader yourself. So it's quite a process. Then um, now coming back to Vedic astrology versus palm leaf reading. Palm leaf reading is a subsection if you wish, of Vedic astrology. It's similar and yet not. Vedic astrology guides the reader because Vedic astrology, uh, palm leaf readings gives you a guideline for your life from the moment you get the reading done until you die. 
And it's based on three things. One is your energies at the time of the reading, not your mood, not whether you had a fight with your spouse or not, makes no difference, your mood, uh, sorry, your energies. Then the second part is very important because the secret lies in it, is your thumb impression. Every thumb impression has a name and that determines you, who you are, describes your soul in pretty detail, generic terms, of course, but describes you as a soul. It makes big differences whether you have Urusuri written in your, th in your thumbprint, which means one circle, or Irusuri, two circles. Um, varivata, you know, zebra crossing, like the black and the white, the ups and downs, or um, crown, you know, each one of these individual words in your thumb impression name has a meaning, a deeper meaning. And if you're open to it, and you look back in your life, you realize, wow, that's actually me. Have I had a life that's up and down, like the zebra crossing, you know, black and white? Or uh, was it like a white lily? Was I floating? Or have I been leading from kindergarten age onwards? Like, was I the, the, the speaker of the class? Or I don't know, hence the crown. So it describes it pretty well. So it's based on your overall energies, your thumb impression, name, and Vedic astrology, because the stars have an impact on you too. And um, the whole purpose why a person would like to get a reading, in one sentence, you want to have a better life afterwards. Whatever better means to you. To me, when I had my reading done seven or eight years ago, I need to think about it now. So quite a few years ago, I was in hospital. My biggest challenge in life is um, health. I had cancer for three years when I uh, was a teenager. And then eight years ago-ish, don't trip me now because I really don't remember this whole COVID year, um, screwed things up in my mind. Some time ago, a little less than 10 years ago, I had a virus infection, which impacted my heart and my lungs. And I ended up in the, uh, in the ICU. And I'm lucky that I survived because it really caught it the, the very last minute. So while I was in the ICU, I thought to myself, dang, I don't understand. I get sick more often than the average guy. For sure, I've spent months and months in hospitals. How come? Because I think this lifetime, I'm a pretty nice guy. I'm a giver. I'm a helper. Uh, money's not my primary drive in life at all. I don't possess much. You know, I don't even have a watch. I don't have a car. These things don't mean anything to me, really. Um, and then it just somehow clicked, and I thought, this must have to do with karma. And you need to know that I'm not a novice because of my cancer when I was 16 to 19. I started my spiritual journey early in, in life. So I've done more than most when it comes to trying to figure things out and trying to pierce the veil, meaning what's behind the veil. There's got to be more than meets the eye. So that was the main conclusion that I, I drew by surviving cancer because I saw a lot of people die, as you can imagine, in my cancer ward. When I was 16, I, I said, God, why me? So I was angry, obviously. Uh, but then... Um, when I was finally released, I said, God, why me, you know? So being super happy, why did I survive and my neighbor did not? So that made me think uh, that there's gotta be more that meets the eye. And uh, so I've done many things. I've spent, you know, in the jungle with the Amazon, I've done, I don't know, sweat tents and 10,000 different um, things when it comes to spirituality. So then I connected and thought, must have to do with karma. 
And then at the same time, my, my girlfriend reminded me that she told me a year before about palm leaf readings because that's what she heard. It went in one ear and out the other first time I heard of it. And that's odd because anything spiritual, I'm the first one saying, yes, I'll do it. Anything. I've done it. And I was like, that's odd. Really? You told me about this and I didn't hear it. It's most bizarre because I'm a sucker for this. So in the ICU, I said, okay, I'm going to do it. If I survive, I'm going to go and see if there is a, a leaf written for me and get my karma cleaned. And I did. And of course, I have karma and I cleaned it and I've been back in hospital since. Now, why would anyone want to get a reading? Many reasons. Everyone carries a cross. Mine's health, primarily. Another person's cross might be relationship issues, uh, abuse issues, I don't know, or not having a child, not finding a partner, uh, money issues, or finding a job that really fulfills them. Um, so ultimately, after reading, which tells you the good, the bad, and the ugly, because life's not just um, milk and honey. Right. Not. They will tell you what you can do to fix issues identified in your life. How I view it is, they tell you the good, meaning, oh, um, sunny smells are coming up, so you buy sunglasses so you can enjoy the sun. Beautiful. But they will tell you, oh, storm's coming up, so you buy an umbrella so you can weather the storm better. And um, not only that, Speaking to a spiritual audience, if something's not going well in a person's life, that has to do with energies, period. Mm -hmm. Anything and everything has to do with energies. And if the energies are off, like the energy flow in your body, you get sick. Right. It manifests itself somewhere. Right. It's a difference whether you have brain tumor or breast cancer. There is a lot of symbolism behind it. Now, if something in your life doesn't go well, like partnerships or not having a child or I don't know, not, uh, or being sick all the time, like in my case, Energies are off. So within the reading, when these challenges are identified, at the end of the reading, the reader gives you guidelines, energy-changing exercises called pujas. So in the reading, in a reading, the reader identifies challenges. And of course, good times too. Good news is not only can you prepare yourself for those challenges by buying an umbrella, you know, symbolically speaking, but also you can, uh, you're being given homework in the shape and form of pujas. Pujas literally mean prayer ceremony or a ceremonial act, like you do something physically. And by doing them exactly as prescribed, there is no wiggle room. You really got to follow them verbatim. You show the universe that you mean business. You're serious about your healing. So you don't change a Tuesday for a Wednesday. You do seven Tuesdays in a row, not just six. And if you miss one, you start from the beginning. And like in my case, two Wednesdays in a row in a certain order, I had to give food to the needy. It's like, man, what do you mean by give food to the needy? I don't understand. And I had just moved uh, to Budapest, so I did not know anyone. And then the reader just said, you figure it out. It's like, oh man, so I was sweating because I didn't want to um, screw up the sequence. And then... The day before the Wednesday appeared, ding, lights went on. And I realized, you know what? Let's just invite someone that I randomly see at the cafes that I go to and just pay for their food. That's 
get food to the needy. So when I was in a cafe, I saw an elderly woman. I remember very well. She looked to me that she didn't have much money. So I told the waiter, you know what? I'm just going to pay for her and just don't tell her. Mm -hmm. Beautiful experience, I'm telling you. So I've been doing this ever since, randomly. Mm -hmm. Seven, eight years. Whenever I am, you know, it doesn't matter. I've done it all over the US, all over Europe. So whenever I see someone, like I've, I've, I've done it to couples fighting, you know, when you're in line and they, they bring the coffee and you know, they're just, you know, they're bickering. I just tell the way, you know what, I'm just going to pay for it. Just don't tell them. And then I disappear. Uh, and then I, or, or look, you know, uh, and then I see when they want to pay for it and it's always already paid. It breaks the energy flow and they're like smiling. And so the, the fighting stops, right? Beautiful thing. I'm telling you, I can, I can, I can recommend this to anyone because mm -hmm. five bucks, 10 bucks, you know, we can all afford that, but it's a beautiful thing. So I've been doing it ever since. That's the one thing that I've really been doing uh, for the past seven years because it gives me joy, to, obviously. Now, pujas, energy shifting exercise, that's how I describe it to modern world people. Why should I do puja? You know, I'm, I'm not in India. Well, pujas are just really an energy shifting exercise. And as you do it the way prescribed, you play the game you're supposed to play by showing the universe that you mean business and that you're serious. And you will see changes in your life gradually coming towards you. One more thing that's important for me to tell people too is some people have the fear, oh my God, my life is a preset. It's not. Your life is never set in stone. That's complete nonsense. Whoever tells you that um, is a charlatan. Mm -hmm. The uh, reading can only give you a guideline and it's you, whoever gets the reading, to take it on board, and utilize its power. We show you the water, but you're gonna drink it yourself. And, uh, and uh, it just helps you create the life that you want, whatever it is that you want, whatever the trajectory to you means. To me, it means no more hospital, period. I've had a thousand needles in my body. Yeah. Uh, intravenous, 1,000. Like my entire left arm is shot, it's dead. Wow. I cannot use it anymore. Like they cannot draw blood from it or, or, or so. And um, so to me, I'm super happy not being in hospital. The rest somehow always um, sorts itself out. Um, so you show the universe, you're serious about your healing, and gradually by changing how you think and the acts that you do or not do, then bring about the reality that you experience. That's it. We have free will. Yeah. We have choice. We have and I'm a big Yeah. We have choice. A really good, two really good points. Um, one is that when you get this reading, it's mm -hmm. really around the energy that is present at the time. And to me, that's really interesting because when I was with my uh, a guru, a spiritual teacher, I, I, really in Indian terms, a spiritual teacher, to call him a spiritual teacher would be an insult because he gave transmissions. And so you would call him a guru because he had that gravity. But I, I won't name who he was, but when I spent time with him in India, it was about 15 years ago, <clears throat> and I decided I was going to get my nadis read. And the taxi showed up at the ashram, and he said, where are you going? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm going to go get my nadis read. And he said, no, you're not. And I said, oh, um, why not? He said, because you can't, you don't want to see what you're going to see. You don't want to you don't want to see what you're going to see. And he's like, why do you want to go get your nodding red? I can tell you everything that's going to happen. And he blocked me and I ended up not going to get my nodding red. Well, now I know why he didn't, because at that time in my life, 
I wouldn't call it the dark night of my soul, but I wouldn't call it <laughs> the time of, you know, a lot of lightness. I was dating a really bad guy. I was in a lot of transition and I didn't have my feet on as much on the ground. And I was just not as mature, right? And I believe that my reading would have not been so great as it would have been a, um, a reflection of where I was at that time and the karma would have been different. And I hadn't burned off enough karma at that time. So now, as you know, I got my naughty reading just a couple months ago and um, it was a wonderful sacred, holy experience for me. And I, I believe it probably wouldn't have showed up like that back then. I could be wrong, but I think that's a really interesting point is that it, it picks up the energy that is present at that time. And we can, as you say, nothing is etched in stone and we can change our karma through our actions, through our yes. prayers, through yes. our good deeds and service. Yes. Um, so that's, that's really fascinating to me. The other thing I wanted to mention was, uh, I find it really interesting. And I don't know if you could talk about this, how the Rishis or the Rishis, particularly Augustia Maharishi, who was the main one who wrote the majority of the Nadis. Is that correct? Augustia? Well, maybe we could talk yes, about no. these seven. Yes, Rishis. yes and no. So okay. first of all, um, there is no school, there is no book where you go and learn about Nadi astrology. There isn't. Which means we have, I, I have no idea, thousands or thousands of little systems that somehow do it. Okay. Now, I'm a big India fan, obviously, because what I do, otherwise I wouldn't be doing it. And by the way, in case those of you haven't realized it, I'm not Indian. I'm a white guy. <laughs> yes, I'm a white guy. Uh, hence, white guys can get a reading too. <laughs> right. It's also black folks and Asians and because and, we had All Arab people. And, right. yeah, correct, yes. Um, but my reading, just like yours, was mind-blowing. I'm telling you, I was blown away. And I, I was not... A naive, a novice in, in spirituality, for sure not, because I've spent lots of time and energy and money in, in just exploring things. But that really blew my mind. And um, and I was predicted, oh, predicted, I don't know, this guy told me, oh, and by the way, you're going to bring this to the West. And of course, I thought he's pulling my leg, because again, I'm not an Indian, that has nothing to do with me. I travel a lot, uh, I like India, I meditate, you know, I like Indian food, I've been yoga for, I don't know, over 20 years, but nothing to do with this. And yet here I'm talking to you about it. Uh, so some of those prediction, uh, they come true. Because I embraced it. I mm. could have, of course, said nonsense, forget about it. But then I was so enthusiastic about it. So I told everyone about it. And the people said, oh, I want to get it done too. Me too, me too, me too. And then I realized, oh, the only way of getting it done is let's go to India. And then I realized most people, believe it or not, never go to India. They wouldn't. Is like a no-go country for them. So some people, it's like, wow, paradise. Let's go and explore all the colors and the scents and this and that, the other. But to most people, I'm, I'm, I kid you not, 90 plus percent, India is a no-go country, period, for whatever reason. And then I thought, well, if we can't go to India, well, then you cannot do it. Mm -hmm. And that's how the whole thing started. And that's how we ended up doing this online. 
So obviously we have an office in India and uh, we work with local super kind and, and evolved human beings doing it. Um, I think they miss the, they don't want the, to miss their creature comforts. Yes, it's true. I mean, uh, well, which is a big wake up call when you go to India. Uh, I've seen it all. Actually, your experience, or whoever does it online, is a hundred times more comfortable for than sure. The reality. People think, oh no, you know, now that I know it exists, I'm going to go to India and get it on there. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I tell everyone, there's my office. Go and enjoy. <laughs> Out of a hundred, maybe one will ever do it, and whoever actually does it <clears throat> might be a little shocked. Because it's a hole in a wall. It's not an air conditioned office. It's a hole in a wall. Mm-hmm. They use a lot of incense. <clears throat> and because I have cancer and chemotherapy, I'm extremely sense sensitive, like extremely. Uh, in my um, environment, you, you cannot use um, aftershave or anything like that. It gives me migraine right away. So I'm in this hole in a wall with a lot of incense. Oh my God. It was a, a shocker that was painful. Um, you couldn't believe it. Yeah. And then the mosquitoes and then the heat and then the, the I don't know, the humidity and the off. So that's the reality of it. That's the reality. While when you do it online, you're in your comfortable air conditioned or heated room, you sip your cup of tea or whatever you do, you lean backs, many people do it in their beds and I don't know, whatever. So it's a lot more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Some people complain, oh, but I have to get up at, I don't know, six o'clock in the morning. Well, you know, you get up. You want to fly to India for 10, 15 hours, you want to get vaccination, you want to do, you know, get your visa, whatever. So six o'clock is not a big deal. Or for the West Coast folks, uh, we start at uh, 9.45 p.m. We're going to stay up till one in the morning. So what? It's once in your life for getting this delivered to your door, like to your bedroom, if you want to do it in your bedroom. Um, Now, all I'm trying to say, that's how the journey started. There is no school. There is no one book that describes it all. There isn't. So we have 10,000 different ideas and, uh, and um, thought processes and, and how they do it. You first of all need to find ethical ones because even though I'm a big India fan, a lot is unethical. They would sell you anything just to make a buck or two. For sure. That in itself is quite a feat to find ethical, really down to earth, beautiful souls. And everyone in my team is beautiful. I mean, I'm, I'm very blessed to have them in my team. Uh, we agreed... So that is how I perceive it now after so many years doing it. They're not seven Maharishis, they're 18. And I brought you oh. this with me for you to have a look at. Now you can see it okay without too much of a reflection in it. So there's they're 18 Maharishis that ha- are responsible for writing the Nadis? Correct, 18 of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the guy with the uh, beer belly here, or mm-hmm. pot belly, that is Agastyar. Okay, so mine was written by Augustia. Just the reason, um, the reason being, the reason being why, yeah. why usually you will go for Augustia's um, uh, books. He's the generalist. <clears throat> He's like the um, GP. Okay, he covers it all. <clears throat> the other uh, saints, they have, they also cover your life, but they have um, specialty fields. One of them is more into health. The other one is more into spirituality. Um, the other one is more into, I don't know, your family life, because it's very important in India. Uh, you still get a whole life reading, but usually if you go for another one, uh, the other 17, you have like uh, a specialty area in it. 
which again makes me tell you, you can have more than one leaf read to you. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. So have you had, I imagine, more than one? Okay. <clears throat> Two readings. Uh, and the second one was just out of curiosity more than anything else, to be honest with you. You're getting a second reading. Do you go through the whole process and find a completely different bundle? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Completely okay. different. Written by different, uh, different uh, uh, Rishi. And um, I mean, in my case, the first one obviously was the, the life-changing everything. The second one I had four or five years ago. So a few years after my first reading. And honestly, it was just a test for the reader to see is it good or not and how the system work. It blew my mind again because now you need to know I had two readings, uh, three-ish years apart. I'm still the same person. So it was similar, reading was similar in the reading. The reading was similar. The trajectory had changed though. Different Maharishis, different reader. They do not know one another at all. So it was like totally uh, separate. And yet he told me things that were cured from my first reading. Wow. First reading, I was told I'm going to die at the age 77 to 79 of a heart attack. Now, obviously, it, makes, it made sense to me at that time because I had my reading done after my rehab, like six months after I was in the ICU, give or take, I don't remember, something like that. So it is obvious to me that I'm going to die of a heart attack because I still have a weak heart, not only because of the uh, major heart issues that I had seven, eight years ago, but because of my chemotherapy and radiation therapy, which really uh, impacted my heart and my lungs, my overall health, but those in particular. So for me to die of a heart attack makes sense. So when the reader told me, my first reading, oh, you're going to die of a heart attack, 77 to 79, it's like, wow, this guy's good because I didn't tell him that I had heart issues. Makes sense to me. Um, but the reader told me if I did the pujas with all my heart, <clears throat> I can fix it. So I can change the energies and I can go past 80. I said, okay, well, of course I'm going to do it. So I did all the, the, the rituals that I had to do for overcoming my karma and this and the other health issues. And my second reading, <clears throat> to cut it short, the reader uh, at the end of the reading, oh, you have the gift of longevity, which means 80, I don't know, 82 or 83, he said, and then he cannot see the, 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 the age bracket I'm going to pass on. So it's 82, 83 plus a day or plus 10 years. He cannot tell anyone. That means gift of longevity. Your time of passing cannot be identified anymore. So which means in those three years, I did enough good work to change the, the flow of energies. That's really cool. Um, you know, when you talk about taking the thumbprint, when we take yes. the thumbprint, I read that the saints, or maybe just Augustia was the one that put this into motion, that there are 108 different patterns Correct. And why, can you talk a little bit about that? And also, why do the men use the, I think, of the left thumb and the women use the right, or is it backwards? Uh, male use right, women left. Left. Why is that? 108 categories, the number 108 is a holy number in Hinduism. Right. One Which I found so numbers. fascinating that he, that number exists in the system. There's a to me, there's a, there's a deeper meaning to that and, or perfection in having 108 different patterns on the thumb, right? Uh, well, so, sorry, there is a pool of 108 um, um, categories 
but you, on, in your thumbprint, you only have a few of them. So there is a pool of 108 descriptions, like right. words mean something, but in your thumbprint, you only have three or four of them. Right. That's what I mean. Like he doesn't have, there's not 110, there's 108, which Correct. is so fascinating, uh, like 108 mala beads, like we could yes, go through right. house holy the 100, 108 Correct. days, Correct. cross-culturally. Correct. Yes. Correct. So why the left for the woman and the right for the man? What is this? That has to do with um, how Hinduism sees uh, women and men. So okay. right side, male energy, left side, female energy. Oh, okay. So that's pretty standard in energy yeah. medicine and yes. polarity and things like that. Okay. Well, it's interesting to see that commonality even back yeah. then. So when I had my reading, it was written by... Uh, Agastya Maharishi, they mm -hmm. said it was written about 2,500 years ago. Give or take. We don't really know. Yes. Okay. Could be 2,000, could be 3,000. Yeah, because really people know. say it's four or 5,000 years old, but we don't really I don't think it's 4,000. I think it's uh, two to 3,000. It's hard to pinpoint because we don't know. Really, we don't. Okay. There is no written record. There isn't, uh, period. So it's all by word of mouth, saga, legends. Okay. But the most sense to me personally makes two to 3,000, somewhere in between. Okay. So we can agree on two, five, because it's in the middle. <laughs> Is there a legend um, that talks about that significant period of why it was two, 3,000 years ago? I mean, obviously there are some really interesting figures that were walking the planet <laughs> two to 3,000 years ago, Jesus being one. Yes. So is there any significance of why they were written during that time. Are there any stories? Not that I know of. Mm -mm. And I've spoken to many readers reading. I've spent a lot, many, many years doing this. Um, no, they just, they don't know. It's just the way it is. Okay. Yes. So the guys that did my reading, I imagine mm -hmm. they've been doing this for, in their generation, like seven, eight generations. And they're- uh, Yeah. The one when you had the reading done with yeah, us? I believe it was seven generations back. Oh, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure because um, uh, we only, in my in our institute, we only have uh, a Guruji who is the lead reader. Mm -hmm. um, so when you become a reader, you become a reader. Then you're a reader. But if your peers, after a while, years, say, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. So they give you the honorary title of Swami, Swamiji. So an advanced reader, that's already pretty cool, really. Then you're at the top of the game. But then after a while, like more years, if um, your peers, the other Swamis say, oh my, this guy's actually a guru. So they give you the town of guru, the honorary town of guru, then you become a guru because your peers somehow decide that you are more involved. So in our office, <clears throat> we have one guru, one guruji, and several Swamiji's. I mean, they're all beautiful souls, really. They are. I know every single one of them for quite many years. Um, and um, yeah, they're advanced souls, really. They are. They live and breathe it every single day. So, how and did you find them? Date, um, did you just go on a deep, dive, <clears throat> deep dig, seeking out different? No, was, like, you know, I, I come from. Um, even though I, I mean, by the way, the Dr. Q is not just a stage name. I do have a PhD and I, and I was an academic, so it's not just um, uh, to entertain people. And it was uh, bestowed upon me, the Dr. Q, by 
friends, I guess. Um, when I got my PhD, they started just calling me uh, Dr. Q, um, and they just stuck. And um, so, and I travel a lot. I had a travel business. <clears throat> so I've been traveling um, ever since. You know, that was the one thing when I survived cancer. Is that I got to travel. I got to see the world, period. So I've, I've been to, I don't know, more than 100 countries. I've traveled a lot, more than most. I know that too. Not just once or twice, like going to a country many times because uh, I even had a travel business. So I've been to many places, like a lot, like Paris. I'm, I'm sure I've been there 100 times or um, doesn't matter. So I travel a lot. So um, it's always through connections. How you do a little research, you have connections, <clears throat> you meet the person. Yeah. And that's how it starts. Yes. Yeah. Because what I know about India, as much as I like India, don't get me wrong, I really do, but as, what I know for sure about India, uh, a good chunk of everything is fake. Mm-hmm. A good chunk of almost, especially when it comes to spirituality. Um, so you've got to be very careful. I mean, it's, it's like, uh, I think I'm a very kind person. I just want to warn everyone out there, don't just pack up and go to India searching for a guru and, and a healer because any person would say, oh, sure, I'm one, you know, come and right. you pay me money. And of course, I'll do it. Of course, you know, before yeah. I know. When I was in India the first time we went to, I went with my, my guru at the time to a traveling circus. And there was a man on stage and I'll never forget it. And I'll never forget my guru's response at the time, to your point. And the man on stage was doing all these tricks, all these uh, showing his city abilities, his uh, city abilities, if anyone's listening and isn't sure, these sort of psychic powers that we develop over time through meditation, through spiritual work, um, being able to read people's minds, being able to manifest things out of thin air, like a gold coin, things like that. So this guy was displaying some of that, which was cool to watch for sure. But then he did something really cool and he had the group of us, which was, I don't know, about a dozen of us and stand up. And he was about, oh, 10 feet away. And he had his hold hands and it was man, woman, man, woman, man, woman. Okay. And he had us hold our hands together in a long chain. And each woman had to pick a particular scent that they loved and hold it in their mind and it would manifest in their palm to the right and they would smell their palm. And so we did that. He waved his wand and sure enough, when we let go of our hands, we'd smell our palm and my hand smelled like the sweetest jasmine you could imagine. And then we went around and smelled each person's, uh, each, each of the other women's palms and they their individual choice of scent and we're standing in awe going, oh my God, there's rose, there's jasmine, there's chrysanthemum, you know, on and on. And it was pretty awesome to experience. And I said to my guru at the time, I said, oh my God, how does he do that? And he said, he was very unimpressed. (laughs) And he said, very low level, very, very low level. It's just a city ability. It's very low level. And that really stuck with me because that does exist throughout India, that people have these abilities, these sort of tricks of the trade, if you will, because they grew up meditating and growing up, going to temple and doing these pujas and doing these spiritual um, 
um, processes, whatever they were doing, that it activated this psychic, these city abilities. But there are a dime a dozen. They're pretty common. It doesn't mean that they're a spiritual teacher. It doesn't mean that they are someone that's going to help you in your spiritual growth and evolution. Thus, they could be using that to manipulate you for all sorts of things, right? So, yeah. Let's change gears a little bit. And I think your life, your story is very fascinating. Uh, Someone having cancer as a child certainly is going to shape your life dramatically, which you touched upon. And you um, mentioned, I don't know if you mentioned it in this talk, but I've heard you mention you being in a car accident and how you saw like five angels, if that's correct. Yeah. And I'd love for you to share that story and what that was like, if you're comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm very open about my life. Uh, I've shared it all uh, many times. Because I've seen angels before. I've had some car accidents that should have taken me out, and they didn't. And I remember when I ran into a pole at about 50 miles an hour, a light post, um, it was, it, it should have killed me. And it, I was headed straight towards a gas station. And in the, just a second before I hit it, it was like time slowed down. In spirit, I heard a, a voice say, you can take yourself out or you can take the car out. Which do you choose? And in that split second, I said, I choose to take the car out because if I swerved and avoided the pole, I would have gone straight into the gas station and probably imploded. <laughs> but yeah. I went straight into the pole. I folded my car in half. I slid into the gas station on my side. Then my car flipped back down on its wheels. I got out with a scratch. And I know it was spirit. And another time I was in a horrible car accident where I got sideswiped and my car was smoking up and I couldn't breathe and I had to get out. All my, uh, my uh, the electrical system was busted. So I couldn't get out of my side doors and it was starting to smoke up. You couldn't see me because there was so much engine exhaust and smoke coming into the car by some just pure providence, (laughs) the moonroof opened and I climbed out of the top of the car and I saw these two people that, I don't know, they, they had to be like four and a half feet tall. And they said, it was God, it was God, it was God, it was God. And they were just praying and I'm in shock. And they said, stay right here, dear. Everybody's gonna come, you'll be okay. And then I turned my head. Then I looked back to ask them a question. They were gone. And I convinced that to me, there's no way they were, they were standing right next to me and they were talking to me for a good couple minutes and like praying and saying, you know, giving their devotion to the Lord and telling me to stay calm and it's going to be okay. Then I turned my head and they're gone. Just in thin air, absolutely gone. And they could have easily been, you know, they could have moved somewhere where I could have seen them in my vicinity, but there was no, there was no one there. So angels don't always look like someone with wings. They can, but to me, 
those were angels. And I just am curious about your experience with your angels and anything you'd like to share. It's almost 20 years ago when I was in vacation somewhere in the Alps and I was driving. I just had finished a jog in the Alps, in the mountains. And I um, had my brother's car and I was driving to the village. Obviously in a blissful state because you know, fresh air, Alps, beautiful, obviously, and then I'm driving. And then I see this car coming towards me and I'm literally max 200 yards away from the hospital. So I'm like, I see the hospital, like village is, uh, is uh, too small. It's a town, town, yeah. like a small town, I don't know, 30,000 people. Maybe. To me, coming from a big city, that's small. So it's, it's a town and there is a, there's a hospital, like a fully fledged hospital. And I see this car coming toward me and I go down toward the hospital and all of a sudden this woman was driving it. She, I think the kid behind her tossed a, a CD, you know, those of you who might remember what a CD is. So they tossed a, tossed a CD and then she had to go down to pick it up or something because that's what I saw. And then by going down, her hand moved and moved all the way to the steering wheel by going down. And then she drove right into my lane and straight into me. And Thank God it wasn't so fast either, maybe 20 miles an hour, give or take. So me driving 20, 25 miles, she driving 20, 25 miles, but it was um, almost head on. Like, um, and it was exactly that moment, something made me move my wheel by an inch or two, like enough to not be like super head on, just, a little off and it was exactly that moment of impact that I felt like a, uh, a spiritual airbag because oh. it's an it was an old car so there was no airbag in it it was like in 1990 mm-hmm. beat up golf I think I don't remember something like that uh, no airbag in it but they were here and they surrounded me and I could see it was like a five the presence of five Spirits, angels, whatever. Um, so, um, and because it was an old car, I banged my my head, my forehead against uh, the windscreen uh, windshield, and I and I shattered my wrist, <clears throat> my right wrist, and I'm right-handed. Uh, but it was it all happened, of course, very slow. You know, time stood still for for a while, but at the same time, everything happens fast, both at the same time. But I knew I'd be fine because they told me you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You'll be fine. I mean, fine is something else because the pain was uh, excruciating because they chattered my wrist and I, I was like near unconscious. This is extremely painful. Like I couldn't even move it at all. I was, oh. And of course, I had uh, I hit my forehead. So I had um, a concussion too. But given uh, in the, the big picture of things, I'd be fine. So it was that moment when I could feel the presence. Like, okay, 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 I'll be fine. It's all good. It's all good. Boom, crash. So they appeared right, like, obviously it could only have been uh, half a second before, but everything happened slow. Does slow down, doesn't it? They told me, oh, you'll be fine, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. And then boom, crash, pain, this, that, the other. The next thing I know, because it was so close to the hospital, uh, she had just left the hospital. Poor woman. Wow. And, and it went back 
in the hospital. But I mean, she had no big issues at all. Uh, I was the one who had bigger issues. And um, so it was good. So by the time the uh, EMS came, I knew uh, I'd survive. Mm. That's it. And then I felt comfortable, safe, secure. I knew their presence. And then uh, when people came, because I don't know how many minutes it took, maybe just two minutes or five minutes, or I really don't know. Um, they were there. And then when people came to rescue me, so to speak, you know, open the door and the, the, the safety belt and this and the other, because I couldn't move at all. It was like, it was super painful. Uh, they left. Mm. So they stayed with me to make sure I'm okay. And they, they told me, you, you're fine. You, you'll be fine. What do they look like? Were they just sort of ethereal, effervescent? Yes. I don't think, I couldn't see them. Like, it's not me like seeing them, no. But I saw them without seeing them because I knew they were there. I knew that there was like a, an extreme presence. They're here. Uh, and, I've, and, I've, and I've felt them throughout the years. I have. Um, coming and going and coming and going. And, uh, but that moment, it was by far the strongest. Like that was like almost touching a person. Mm -hmm. That's how present they were. But I've noticed, but I think back and also after that, they're here. So I know for sure, even though I cannot prove it, of course, that we have guardian angels. We do. Right. They look after us. They do. And um, so it makes me um, more relaxed. Yeah. Well, you know, nothing's more powerful than someone's direct experience. And we could be in the convincing game all day, but I'm not in the convincing game. So, <laughs> right? And, and so, yeah, we have these experiences. And unless someone was there present with you having a similar experience, which would most people wouldn't be having the same experience because a lot of times these happen just with you and spirit. And sometimes it happens, but it's very rare. So it's very hard to prove these things because they're not of this world. So the most powerful thing we have is direct experience. And those experiences do change you, but they're nothing that we can really prove on this plane. And that's okay. As long as it, as long as it brings you comfort and gives you the information that you need to move forward then that's enough for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. I mean, when it comes to the proof thing, I'm going through my mind, trying to um, remember books that I've read and articles and YouTube, this and that, the other. There are scientists out there that are testing somehow the existence of an energy and they can do it. Like ectoplasm. It can be done somehow, but I don't, yeah. don't shoot me because I really don't remember. Had I known we were going this direction, I would have, um, <laughs> I would have uh, really read, sit down and-, and uh, We're off-roading uh, for a moment. But um, I'm pretty sure that, and I'm talking about quote-unquote real scientists, like those who are not sure. Google in this net, scientists uh, who can somehow detect an energy or two. There are scientists out there that are trying to um, prove or, or at least detect uh, other energies. They exist, they're there for sure, um, but in scientific ways. 
Yeah. There's a great film called The One Field, if you haven't seen that. And they they do studies on meditation and measuring the energy. Oh, absolutely. Um, and absolutely. it's proven. I mean, we have Curlian photography that can pick up the energy field of a person. That's scientific. So I do think that's the direction we're going. I don't think it is the direction we're going more and more. Even the fourth state of matter, plasma, the ether that connects us all, how distance healing works. That was taken out by the materialists in the turn of the century. And now they're finally putting it back in and going, oh, yeah, like this connective network of whatever you want to call it, the primordial universe, it actually is a thing. It's a substance. Guaranteed. Right. And, and we're now realizing that as more and more doctors are actually having near death experiences and coming forward and telling their stories that to say that the consciousness is only in the brain is ridiculous. (laughs) Consciousness by definition is infinite. It's everywhere. And for me, who's an energy facilitator is one of the things I do. I walk through thousands of fields, you know, over the years. And I can tell you that consciousness is not just locked in the body. It's in the iCloud storage of our field. And that's just one field upon many, many, many fields, like toroids upon toroids upon toroids. (laughs) It's never ending. So I do think that's where we're going. That's super exciting to hear that there's people out there that are trying to get some tactile um, definitive response to something that is, yeah, a theoric. Yeah. Dr. Q, thank you so much for being here and sharing all this information. I really appreciate you. And I'm so grateful to have found you and it was perfect timing for me to have my naughties read. And it was, like I said earlier, a really sacred and powerful experience for me that, really gave me a lot of answers um, that I was kind of rolling around in my head and not sure sure where I wanted to put my energy. And it gave me some really solid um, information that I could um, sit with and utilize for the betterment of my life. So Dr. Q, could you tell our audience where they could go to get a naughty reading through your institute? It would be a pleasure, of course, sure. Um, our website is pretty simple. It's as literal as it possibly can be. Indian palm leaf reading.com. Indian palm leaf reading.com. That's our website. You can send us an email to info at Indian palm leaf reading.com and we respond to it, of course. Um, we try to make things as simple and as easy as possible, which I guess you, Diane, know. It was a very graceful process. I will say that. And they use, you use a uh, moderator or a, I wouldn't say a translator. Yeah, a moderator. So there is a moderator on the call, on the Zoom call, along with the, the two priests that are doing the reading for the group. Three people that hold yeah. your hand, making sure that you, yeah. that you actually so it's a very smooth, graceful, supportive, loving process. I loved it. So <laughs> it's easy for me to talk about and want to share with people in the world. This was awesome. You're awesome. I'm so grateful. 
God bless you. Namaste. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform or go to spiritualgeekout.com.